I just want to do God's will. The kind of revolution that the world needs is a Christian revolution. If you want a miracle, you've got to expect it to happen. You are the recipients of God's grace and God's blessings, and you rejoice in that reality. Welcome to Life Today Live. Randy Robinson here. And uh, let's face it, we live in a chaotic world, both externally and sometimes in our own little world. You know, you look out and you go, man, there's a lot of messed up things going on. There's injustice in the world. There's suffering in the world. We see that at Life Outreach as we, we go different places. I'm glad we can do something about it. Uh, but, you know, I mean, you may be dealing with grief, you know, with, with chronic pain, with your own little world of suffering and chaos and we, as Christians, we will go, okay, well, we can, we can look at the scriptures and get some, some guidance, get some insight, get some peace, hopefully. Have you looked in those sticky pages in the middle of your Bible into those uh, Old Testament prophets, or do they just seem really remote? They can feel very remote at times. But uh, as we saw recently when we looked at the, I guess that was on the broadcast, the book of Amos uh, with Jennifer Rothschild, there's some pretty good stuff there. Well, there's another book we're going to talk about today. Uh, we're going to get a little bit of help. Today's guest is Taylor Turkington, and she has a new book called Trembling Faith, just out last week. And she is looking at an Old Testament prophet that you probably haven't thought about in a while. But if you stick around, you'll get some good insight. So appreciate you being here. Taylor, welcome to Life Today Live. So glad to join you, Randy. So Let's jump into this and tell us who you're talking about and why. Yes, so I am writing about the book of Habakkuk because I think that we live in this chaotic world. And when we look at the corruption and the injustice and the heartbreak, we have to know how to pray, how to live, how to hope. And in the book of Habakkuk, we find this conversation with God and this prophet. And he gives us this way of trembling faith, this way forward in a chaotic world. So help me out a little bit here, just for context, because I think context is important. Had, where, where was Habakkuk in the timeline of the, the yes. northern and southern kingdoms falling? Yeah, so he is in the southern kingdom. It's after the northern kingdom has already gone into exile. The Syrians have come, conquered the northern kingdom. The He probably grew up, Habakkuk grew up under the time of King Josiah. So he was a good king, right? He's the, the young king. He came in at eight years old to the throne, and he was the one who worked to rebuild the temple and found the book of the law there. He lightly read the book of Deuteronomy to all the people and Habakkuk was as youth hearing it. But then as things went on, Egypt messed in the politics of, of Judah and one of Josiah's sons, King Jehoiakim, comes to power. And he is a terrible king. Mm. He is really a puppet king of Egypt, influenced by their gods, enslaving the people, taxing the people to send money to Egypt. And we see poverty and injustice over and over again, hitting the people, and Habakkuk is upset about it. <laughs> well, already I can see some parallels to the way we feel today uh, here in right. both the U.S. and we have viewers up in Canada, We actually around the world. So what um, what do we pick up from him that we could relate to today because i mean yeah it's, it's you, the way you put it it sounds similar but it is very we, different in a lot of ways too 
Yeah, but I think we see this concept of people using their power for their own gain, mm. for their own control, for manipulation, for desiring to have partnerships that get them good, but not actually good for the people. So we've seen corrupt leaders in government, in organizations and businesses, and even in the church sometimes, right? This idea that people would want to use their own power to gain. And that is the problem that Habakkuk is crying out about. And God, it's the time right before God is actually going to discipline his people. He's going to send the southern kingdom into exile and habakkuk is one of those final prophets that's that's hearing from god in the midst of those times okay so what's what's god saying in those difficult times yeah so habakkuk is crying out to the lord in some of the most blunt language you read the beginning mm -hmm. of habakkuk and if you didn't know it was in the bible it feels kind of scandalous mm -hmm. because he is he is just saying, how long, Lord, must I call for help and you do not listen? I cry out to you about violence and you do not save. It's almost accusing God of dallying. Like, mm. where are you? When one Old Testament theologian calls, says it's just saying, stop it, God, and stop it now. Mm. Like, there's just this heartfelt honesty and safety in the relationship with God. And God hears him and responds to him and says, Habakkuk, I'm working. I'm working in ways that you maybe wouldn't believe. It's that famous verse in verse five that we hear sometimes people quoting about God working in a way we wouldn't believe. But if we read it in context, it's actually about how God's going to discipline his people and he's going to send them into exile, into Babylon, that he's going to do what he said he would do. He's actually going to bring some justice to the, the discipline of his people. That's interesting because, you know, uh, Life Outreach, we do a lot overseas, um, fighting sex trafficking, feeding uh, mm -hmm. starving children, providing clean water. And it seems like every time we put something online, or, and we ask other people to help, obviously, um, uh, we get the comment of why, why doesn't God just feed them? Why doesn't God yeah. just rescue them? Yeah. Is it a little bit of what Habakkuk's saying? Yeah, because in this conversation, there's actually a dialogue back and forth, right? Habakkuk is calling out and then God responds that he's bringing discipline. And then God, and then Habakkuk responds again. He says, God, you you are holy. You are my rock, but this is not how I wanted you to do it. Mm. He, he is able to even protest pray in, in a way of faith because he believes God is good and just and what he sees around him is not good and just. And so he's saying, God, there's a discrepancy here. I know your character. And I think the book of Habakkuk has helped me when life has been really hard mm. to know how do I deal with the fact that God doesn't always bring justice right away in my timeline. And the way that he's working isn't going to always bring ultimate justice. And God admits that like the Babylonians he's bringing in are evil people. Mm. But so like when I was um, sitting under some leadership who are making decisions that really hurt and I think were unhealthy, or when I was in the hospital and I, my health was uncertain and I didn't know which way to go, there are these times of recognizing that we can protest to God and then God responds and engages with us. But the end of the dialogue is where God says, Habakkuk, the way forward is the way of faith. The righteous will live by faith. He contrasts these arrogant, self-dependent self people with his people. And his people are those who, who depend on him and who live by faith and look forward to the way it's going to be fully just in the end, if not now. Okay, you hit on a couple of personal things and share however much you want to share. I'm not going to pry, mm. um, but you, you talk about a health battle, which is sort of, th there's no other person on the other end of that one, right? That's right. just, that's like, why is the world the way it is, God? I think we go through yeah. that. And then you talked about some 
other people who had what disappointed or failed or you know maybe yeah. even abusive I, I don't know your situation and that's that's another situation because now you've got another party involved and you're like god change right. them or judge them or whatever yeah. it is mm-hmm. those are those are two different cases but yet a lot of the same i think struggles that we have how did how did you navigate those Oh, you know, Randy, I ended up in the book of Habakkuk for both of those. (laughs) If I drew you a timeline of my life and there'd be like these down spots where Taylor's life got worse, I could draw a little dot and say where Taylor ended up in the book of Habakkuk. And there would be multiple of those dots. Even when I was a teenager that didn't know my Bible very well, I figured out that there was this conversation with God in this book. And ultimately I wrote my dissertation on this book because I've realized, I think that there is a way that people need to learn how to lament and how to face injustice and even suffering in the world without just kind of trying to stick our heads in the sand or exploding or just or just turning away. We need to be able to face the chaos of the world and go to God with it. Mm. And that is the, the model, the footprints that Habakkuk gives for us, that we can take it to him and we have an understanding of how to protest, right? how to lament, and then how to hear from him as he says, I mean, really, he tells Habakkuk to wait for the end when he's going to make things right. We get to the beginning of chapter two and he gives this great vision for Habakkuk. He doesn't like pull out back the curtain and explain everything just like he doesn't for Job or mm. for Naomi. Mm. He doesn't tell him like everything, but he's, he tenderly leans in and says, look forward to the end for now you live by faith because there's going to be a day when those arrogant and self-dependent won't stand before me, but those who live by faith will. Uh, what what it, when is that day? Do you think, or did it happen? No, it hasn't happened. I don't think. I think it's the day when we are finally fully with the Lord, and when God's going to make all things right again. Oh, okay. Um, how much of that was pointing to Jesus? Do you think? That's that's a good question. I think that the New Testament writers actually quote Habakkuk 2.4 three times. And so they really lean into Habakkuk's theology that the way to live is by faith. That Paul in chapter one of Romans, you remember his his like summary of the gospel, this famous part, and he, he talks about how it is by faith that we get this righteousness and he quotes Habakkuk. Huh. But, and so this his summary of the gospel is rooted in this concept that it's, it's life comes and righteousness is continued from faith and for faith. And then later he does it again in Galatians when he's contrasting whether or not it's through the law or by faith. And the writer of Hebrews does it right before, remember chapter 11, that hall of faith where yeah. we hear of all of these faithful people who are living out right before that, the very end of chapter 10, he quotes this passage in Habakkuk about living by faith and waiting, waiting for what God is going to ultimately do. And and the writer of Habakkuk uses it that we are waiting for Christ to come. And then right. we're waiting for him to return. He, that's the way he's using the text, that Christ will return. And that is how, when we are going to have this all made right. We wait with faith now and persevere, which is that, that thrust, that pulse of Hebrews chapter 11, that we persevere in faith because we believe that Christ is returning. Does it distinguish between Christ's his coming, uh, the you know, Messiah coming, uh, and something later, or is that sort of uh, in between the lines there, as it would be with like? Yeah, the, I think the, it's in between the lines. There's not clear. There's not specifics yeah. here yeah. about it. That, that that's my struggle a little bit with uh, reading some of the Old Testament and the, and the prophets is is knowing uh, was this all fulfilled in Christ or 
is there more beyond just what they're talking about? Now, what we're talking about today yeah. is true either way. So there's a little bit of it that, that kind of doesn't matter. But you're you're very much into context uh, and the importance of context, and I think that's important. What do we maybe not get as 21st century Western readers that the, the Jewish people would have completely understood with Habakkuk? Is there anything that jumps out at you? Yeah, I think that even as we we might read Habakkuk and it's in, it's poetry, right? The whole book is poetic and we and sometimes there's parts of it that we go this is very confusing. And the second chapter moves into this woe song. And I'll admit I told you guys that I like ended up in Habakkuk in many places in my life, but I would skip that part cuz I was like I don't know what's going on. He just says woe 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 five <laughs> times and I'm going to move on. You know, but now recognizing that this was a normal literary way of expressing this pronouncement, not of judgment of like, we're going to retaliate people, but God is going to judge those who are misusing their power to take advantage of others. And this, this woe song is super dark in a way that you and I probably would not sing it at church, right? But it was designed for comfort for God's people to be able to memorize it and recognize the, the evil people in Judah. So like the insiders and the outsiders, the people that were coming in the army, both of them that would use their power so that they are comfortable or so that they have more money or so that they don't have to deal with people who are different than them, but that they would like manipulate or even shame them. It talks about shaming people mm. and how God, it's as if when we have been mistreated or we see our neighbors mistreated and we wonder like, who's going to hold them accountable? It's as if God's raising his hand saying, I will like, and it's either going to fall all on Jesus or there will be consequences for people as they stand before him one day. Yeah, I think that uh, from a New Testament context, it's relay, it's uh, sort of echoed in the idea of you will reap what you sow. God's mm. not mocked. And I, I, it, it's a difficult time. So like, you know, you look at something today. What it, I'll let you, I want to hear from you because I got all sorts of examples. When you look out today, where do you maybe see some of this parallel of, you know, we're, we're like, man, God, why do you let that happen? Um, yeah. And will you, will you step in and do something? Is there something that st sticks out to you? Yeah. You know, I think I wrote, I wrote my book about how I was living in Eastern Europe for a time and there was um, racism, blatant racism in front of me mm -hmm. and war genocide that literally had happened within the last few years before I lived there. I was living in Croatia oh, and okay. dealing in engaging with a lot of Bosnian friends yeah. and just thinking about what, what was happening there. There's this ethnic hatred and, and, you know, we're not pure from it either over here. Sure. Like we, we have prejudice that harms people and it may not be as drastic as that, but it still happens. And I've engaged, walked with friends who are in marriages that are very unhealthy and very controlling. And, and we see like injustice. And we're like, God, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. My neighbors down the street are bullied. Their kids, their small kids are bullied sometimes because of the color of their skin. You know, and I think about like, this is, this is broken. God, where are you in these things? Because we believe that he's made all people as image bearers, yeah. right? Right. Like, I mean, even like no matter where they worship, whether or not they know Jesus yet, like these are people who are made in the image of God and they, de they deserve to be treated as image bearers with dignity and kindness. Yeah. And so I think that we see that today. And, and I think that there are also institutions that, that sometimes use their power to 
kind of keep the status quo or we like we talked before about leaders that would want to protect themselves that oh something goes bad we should protect ourselves and not let it get out mm-hmm. rather than dealing with what happened mm-hmm. yeah yeah no doubt and you know the hard part for me is when when i look at the clear example like you say when you when you're in eastern europe it's a very clear example of right. of the, the the cultural bias and the hatred and the the murder that has come out of that yeah when we look at the sex trafficking it's a very clear picture of the Mm. evil that is being perpetrated on mainly young women um and the hard part for me because i can look at them and and go oh no that that girl should not be abused she she is made in the image of christ the hard part for me is looking at the a lot of times it's the mama's on you know it's another woman but uh usually on the streets Mm. it's guys out peddling and selling um Mm. They are made in the image of God too. That's the hard yes. part for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. here's my question, <laughs> and this yeah. is this is this is a little loaded question. I, I told you I'd be nice, but I'm we're getting into it here, and I think it's, let's this, go, Randy. Let's talk. I, I know you can handle it. So um, when when we look at something like an, an Old Testament and God saying, you know, judgment's coming, He's promising judgment, mm. but He's also mm. promising the hope of the Messiah. I sometimes don't know which way to go when I, right. when I look at the, you know, those trafficking young girls, I'm like, God, kill them, God judge them. Mm-hmm. But he's going to know the promise of the Messiah. I, I want to save them. I want to redeem yeah. them. And my flesh right. doesn't always like that. So when you look at like uh, a, a, a leader in a church who's abusing his power, do you mm-hmm. go like God judge them, bring them down, destroy mm-hmm. them or, or God, you know, change their heart because I think it it changes how we approach them. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that that is such a good question for us. And I write in Trembling Faith a good amount about this, Hmm. some chapters about when we read a judgment song like this, how can we possibly think that this is Christian for us to see that God is bringing down this judgment? And I would say that we have to believe that it's comfort for God's people because God will judge, but also because God will save, that there's both that's tied together. Mm. And so we pray, God, would you bring judgment or would you change their heart and save them? And even as we look at this woe song, if you, it's in chapter two of Habakkuk that starts in verse six and goes through verse 20 and the very smack in the middle of it, right in the middle of this pronouncements of woe, 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 it says, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord's glory as the waters cover the sea. Mm. Okay. So It's as if God is saying in the middle of all of this fact that I am a just God and you don't mess with vulnerable people and I just do nothing. I want you to know that ultimately my mission is not just judgment. It's that the knowledge of my glory is going to cover the earth. Mm -hmm. And if you follow that theme through scripture, he's not talking about more judgment to cover the earth, right? We know that that's because of the grace of Jesus that's going to spread across the earth because of the church. The knowledge of the glory of the Lord is God's people speaking the good news of the gospel, even to those who are those under the woes. And one day, those tr- we're the streams of water that's one day is going to turn to a flood when Christ returns and all see him. That all will know the knowledge of the glory of God. So, so now we pray, just like at the end of Revelation, when we say, come Lord Jesus, it doesn't just mean come Lord Jesus may May, may everything be made right, but it means come Lord Jesus, would you save? Come Lord Jesus, would you judge rightly? Like th- those words mean that together those things. Yeah. And yeah. I think that that's the same things these prophets would say. 
It's interesting, too, that the symbolism in the Old Testament of the cloud, uh, God mm-hmm. coming uh, in the clouds, the, the, the cloud that settled over the mountain when the law was given, the cloud represents both judgment and glory. Mm-hmm. So, yeah they're, yeah, they're tied, like you say. Uh, which right. Is and we and we are only not under the woe of God because of the grace of Jesus. Right. So so we would pray that even that as we see these people who are misharming, that God would change their hearts radically. And, you know, he does that sometimes. Yeah. And we beg him to do it again. Yeah. Yeah, we do. OK, this is good. This is good. We're talking to Taylor Turkington. And I knew she could answer the difficult questions <laughs> because. Her ministry is called Bible Equipping. You can visit it at BibleEquipping.org. She can help you teach others, whether it's uh, a child, you know, or whether you're in like a, a home group, Sunday school group, or online, however you're, you're wanting to be a better teacher. She has some great resources to help, especially women, to teach. And yes, women are to teach the Bible. Um, I won't get into that too deep, but suffice to say she's got some some great materials for you and this is the book we are talking about it's called trembling faith and i want to ask you i'll lighten it up a little bit what is up with the deer up on the ruins <laughs> on the front of the book yeah on the front of the yes. book so, yeah people looking okay. right now at the cover just so i'll explain it if you look okay. up above the title it looks like mountains but if you can i can't zoom in right here but those are actually like ruins of cities and there yes. is a deer up on top of it and i'm like what is that Okay, great question. So the artists that did the cover, I think they did a great job, but they're trying to express chaos in the world. So there's like those ruins and the wind, but all of this idea that this world is broken and suffering, that there, that this world, sometimes we like want to pretend it's all good, but it's really not, mm-hmm. that there is brokenness. And the very last few verses of Habakkuk, so the chapter three of Habakkuk is this song that we can talk about if we have time, but yeah. it's this, it's Habakkuk's response of faith where he says in the midst of this god okay you've told me of this conversation now instead of giving a sermon to god's people i'm writing a song for all of us to sing together mm. and it is incredibly moving as it says god we've re- even as it's going to get worse before it gets better we but we've seen you work in the past and it's this beautiful reminder of god saving in the exodus like there's these paradigms that god has worked in the way in the past and he does it again the same way we know that god has provided and redeemed for us in jesus and that's the way he's continuing to work and so he sets out the song and it's full of this crazy imagery. And then it ends with some of the most moving verses in the Bible where though the fig tree doesn't bud, though there's no fruit on the vines, no, the olive crop fails, the fields, pro- fields no, don't produce any food, though the flocks appear from the pen and there'll be no herd in the stalls, yet I will celebrate in the Lord. I'll rejoice in the God of my salvation. The Lord, my Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like those of a deer and enables me to walk on the mountain heights. Ah, So it's as if Habakkuk is walking us up this really tall mountain at the end and saying, okay, look at the big picture. Even though things are going to get worse before they get better, God's not going to answer our prayer with with ease. I mean, Habakkuk and his people were going into exile. They still believed that God was faithful, that though they lose all those things, they would not lose God. And he would make them strong to stand. Okay. Now that takes me to another question. I'm kind of got a point wrapped in this question. I have an agenda on this question because it's like Job where we quote maybe one part of Job or like Ecclesiastes. We quote one verse in Ecclesiastes and we think that contains the entirety of the truth. And again, context. I mean, I'm the older I get, the more I'm like context people is Habakkuk 
standalone or do you really need to understand all three chapters? Because I see an arc and I see a beginning and a place that we're taken to. Good job, Randy. And that song is where we're supposed to go. Is, Is that the way you look at it? Yeah, I think so. And I think it's okay that if we are in a season that we're living in chapter one, (laughs) where we are like lamenting and we're struggling and we're wrestling. Yeah. But I think we are moving towards chapter three, just as Habakkuk has this journey Mm -hmm. where he comes to this place of faith, even with great loss. And Habakkuk isn't like a stoic where he's like, just, just like ignore the fact that pain really hurts. You know, it's not like stuff your trauma. Absolutely not. But, but he is saying that grief and joy in God can commingle. It, it's not like joy, like hashtag blessed sitting on a beach type joy, but it's like, it's it's the joy in hospital rooms when the doctor's face says it all, right? Like it's it's that kind of joy. It's the joy when, when you get news that you've lost your house or you've lost the rental agreement that you desperately needed and you say, God is still my strength. It is that kind of God. And what's beautiful, I think, is that Habakkuk in this last verse is actually quoting David from one of David's Psalms. And so it's also okay for us to borrow where we know that God has made other people strong and remember like, okay, God, you've made my friend strong or you've made David strong. And so I know you can make me strong, even though it's hard for me to believe that right now. I look at somebody else's life and so you can do it for me. And and sometimes I need that when I'm in grief. Like I have, I gotta be like, okay, you've been faithful to somebody else. Therefore you will be faithful to me. Yeah, no, and that that's really beautiful. I do think it's important that when we're stuck in the uh, in the chaos, in the pain, or even in the judgment, that we get to that yeah. we get to the song because I think that's where the heart of it. Uh, last question for you, maybe um, <laughs> the trembling part. We didn't explain yeah. why it's trembling faith. That's great. So actually, right before this, I didn't read it. Verse sixteen of chapter three says, "I heard and I trembled within." My lips quivered at the sound, rottenness entered my bones. I trembled where I stood. And it literally says that his guts trembled, which you can imagine the physical implications of this. Like he is, he is upset and it's talking about his fear and his wrestling, knowing that things are going to get worse, but still he's going to trust anyway. And I think that throughout the book at the beginning, he is trembling because he's angry and about the lament that he's giving. And, and in the middle that there's some fear involved in God's judgment. And at the end it's, he's trembling, but there's also trembling in awe that comes at the end, right? He is mm-hmm. trembling because things are getting worse, but he's also trembling because he's in awe of a good God who he knows is faithful to him. He's the God of his salvation, he calls him. And he's used that word three times through the chapter. He keeps saying that he's the God who saves. He's the God who saves. Mm-hmm. And he's holding on to it, just like we do, right? When things get really hard. Yeah. He, he has a better deliverance than what he sees today, right? So like Habakkuk is going to go into exile, but he, that there's an internal deliverance that he has in this relationship with a God who's covenant to him. So you and I can lose it all, but we don't lose God because he saved us in Jesus. And that's the most important thing. Amen. Beautiful. All right, I love it. This is uh, the website, BibleEquipping.org. If you want to follow up more with uh, Taylor, as you can tell, uh, there's some good teaching, and she can help you understand some things uh, and maybe teach them to others. So uh, thank you, Loretta, for your note. Thank you, comments, Amanda, Wilford, Judy, uh, Sarfras, all you others that are out there. Um, Hit like, hit follow, hit share, uh, and uh, Taylor, thank you. We appreciate it. Is there anything you want to add before I let you go? No, so glad to be here, Randy. Absolutely. I appreciate you guys being here. You can pick up 
Trembling Faith right now. If you want to go deeper and you can read behind back, read all three all three chapters. It's, it's short and it's good. Got a lot of depth there. Appreciate you being here. Come back. We'll see you again next time here on Life Today Live. But enjoy it. Squeeze all the fun you can out of it. This is your hour. This is your hour. Because it's soon going to end. And truth will be on the throne of your day. Sunday is coming.